Jarvis in close shot, there's a goal! Seth Jarvis, the 17-year-old, short side, glove side, high, just under the crossbar. I'm Cross Hannes, and you're listening to the Puckland Hit Podcast. Cutting to the front of the net, and they score. Reese Newkirk along the right wing just took the pass. That was phenomenal patience from Seth Jarvis and the winner. This is Nick Chichek, and you're listening to the Pucklandia Podcast. Hey, this is Reese Newkirk, and you're listening to the Pucklandia Podcast. Hi, I'm Joel Holt of the Portland Warehouse, and you're listening to Pucklandia Podcast. Welcome into Pucklandia, a uh, playoff preview edition. Uh, pleased to be joined by uh, the current record holder for guest appearances on the show, Josh Kreitzer with uh, PNW Hockey Talk. How's uh, how, how, how's things been treating you there, Josh? Uh, going pretty well, Chad. Thanks for having me on again. I I appreciate it. You know, I like to say you know I'm kind of the house band that that, that gets called. So uh, always always appreciative to to join the show. It's been a it's been a busy couple of weeks uh, in my neck of the woods, but uh, all, all good for the most part. So uh, hope hope you're doing well uh, up there, kind of in in the more Portland metro area. Yeah, yeah, right here in the in the in the heart of Northeast, up here in Cully. But uh, yeah, you know, we were talking off air before we got going about you know how you've been you know going through some things over the course of the year, and uh, you know the listeners of the show you, you know are interested in in updates at, at least if they're positive, if, 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 uh, if, if things have gone for, you know, turn for the worse, we, you know, you can just gloss over it, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're doing okay. Being able to get to being able to get into the rank. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for, for everyone who reached out and, and, you know, let me know that they, you know, that they care and anything that they could do. So I, I really do appreciate everyone and, and their genuine interest. So, uh, you know, the, the hockey world is, is a very tight knit community and it's not something I take for granted. We saw what happened to, to Andy Ide for, for longtime listeners of this show and that maybe don't know, you know, Andy had a stroke while covering the, the Kraken game and, and he's, I think, just got out of the ICU today. So you don't take any of this for granted. And, you know, we, we obviously hope that, that Andy's doing well and doing okay in his recovery and, and all that. So, um, you know, as, as when, when that news kind of hit that, that really kind of hit me, um, pun intended here between the eyes, because I, I, I kind of, while it's not a stroke, it, it just, to me was, it, it just made me appreciate how precious these moments are, uh, whether it be hockey or, or, or otherwise. And, um, you know, in my, in my situation, which is pales in comparison to, to what the Ide family is going through, but is, you know, I, I did ultimately lose, you know, the, the sight in my left eye and, but that's okay. They were able to, we, you know, we were able to have that third period comeback like we were talking about and I didn't need to, to lose the eye. So maybe I got the shootout loss. Maybe, I don't know. I got it to overtime if we're going to try and draw a hockey comparison, but the, you know, I'm able to get to the rink. I'm able to drive. Uh, I try and avoid night driving if I can, you know, I'll drive home from the rink, but 
you know, uh, if you see a, you know, if you see a, a Lexus SUV in the, in the right lane going about the speed limit or a little under, that's me. Don't mind me. I'm, I'm, I'm making my way. I, I get there when I get there. Uh, but you know, just trying to, trying to be safe where, where I can. And, uh, but I am very thankful for, uh, the, the fact that I, I still didn't have to get rid of the eye and, and just kind of adapting to, to my new normal. So, uh, for the most part, all, all things considered, I had to miss a couple of games here and there, but, uh, I, I've tried to, to cover the, the team as best I can fr- from afar or when I get to the rink and uh, all that while still trying to balance uh, the, the good old day job. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, unfortunate that you've had to deal with, with some of that stuff. But, you know, if you come out come out on the, 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 the fight inside of it, I mean, that's all you can really do. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, on, uh, you know, just trying to – it's just trying to be appreciative of stuff. I mean, you know, obviously – you know, April 6th is just around the corner and anybody that follows me knows how important, you know, that, you know, day is and the fifth anniversary here. And, you yeah. know, all, all that's really guaranteed is it's going to be over. And so to call your mom, go fishing, go to the beach, you know, get your motorcycle running, whatever it is that you do, like you got to like do the thing because you only have so much time. And that's, you know, these some of these these other scares that we have, you know, kind of put all that in perspective and that's just a you know a thing that i try to i try to hold on to you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. and you just you you got to take things you know seriously but also you know i think i'm kind of talking to myself a little bit you just got to kind of relax and and live a little too and i think over the past year you know this last year has been a very challenging 12 months for me personally and i feel like i've had a lot of you know development my, myself as we talk about this being a development league for everyone but just for me personally and uh, you just one of those things where you just w- want to appreciate every moment that that you have and um either you know on, on your own or with family or or friends it's just it, it's so important to to kind of have that that aspect and, and have those outlets and and for us you know we're fortunate to to, to have that hockey outlet and, and to have hockey and, and playoff hockey here as uh, we turn into uh, springtime. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we talk about these, these struggles and the, uh, the Portland Winterhawks are, are not uh, immune to, to their own struggles. And so that's a thing that we've seen over the last, you know, uh, a couple actually, actually exactly two months of the, of the season. And, you know, I, I, apologies to loyal listeners of the show about not getting episodes out there for a little while. I had, you know, some things going on my, myself, nothing quite like, you know, nothing, nothing you're going through. I mean, they're mostly positive things, but stuff that got in the way of the show and lining up guests and yada, yada. But, um, it wasn't that I was trying to avoid (laughs) talking about this losing streak that they went through, but it kind of, kind of worked out that way, you know, but I mean, that's kind of, I guess that's, you know, the elephant in the room and we already, we started out with it. I mean, you know, to, to, you know, I was looking at the numbers here today and, you know, up before uh, February 1st, this team was 34, 8 and 3, the 716 win percentage and in first place in the, in the Western Conference. And since then they went 6, 12 and 5. And so you know, over a 23 game span. So which, which is this, this Portland Winterhawks team? Is it the, the team we saw for the first 45 games that were first place team or, you know, the team that 
couldn't quite figure out how to get out of their own way here towards the end down the stretch. And I think that I don't I don't know if anybody has that an, those answers, but I'm sure they're looking for them down there in the Glass Palace right now. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I, I think it's probably you know it's a cliche answer, but it's probably a mixture of the two. I, I think if if you started the season, if we went back to maybe our season preview and you kind of looked at at where things were it it was probably you know you probably expected portland to be around third place in in the conference and they just kind of got there in a roundabout way they they probably exceeded expectations to start the year and didn't quite live up to the expectations the second half of the year so that's but that goes back to the the point i i remember uh talking with kyle shazowski after one of the the early games and he was talking about how important these points in October were because they didn't have them last year. And last year was kind of the opposite where they kind of struggled out of the gate and then they got hot. And, you know, he was, you know, when he's talking about the kind of the, the importance of, of some of this, that when they were able to kind of string together all those wins at the start of the year, it gave them that runway that when they went through this losing streak that they didn't fall out of a home ice position in the first round. And I think that's, that's important. And, you know, this, this team is, you know, I had written about it on PNW hockey talk that they're the only team in the WHL that has players that have only played for their organization, um, you know, outside of, outside of Diego Badazzoni, who was, was drafted by Medicine Hat, but never played there, you know, traded as a 16 year old, this entire team is, is homegrown. And, you know, you look at, you look at Seattle and Kamloops and the number of players that they've had to acquire and, and number of trades that, that they've made. And you look at Winnipeg out East and, uh, you know, you just look at how this team has done it and they've done it without a lot of high end draft picks. So, this is this team has always been scoring, you know, relied on scoring by committee, and sometimes when you rely on scoring by committee, that means you don't have a consistent scorer, and when you don't have a consistent scorer, that means you're probably going to go through a stretch where you go one game or one goal in two games if you're up in Prince George, or you know, you, you struggle to, to hit, you know, the the three goal mark, which is is kind of an important number for Portland. So. You, you just don't really know. Uh, I think I think there's some some you know when you look at the end of the year stats, I think there's going to be some guys who are who are disappointed in in their numbers and and how they finished. And probably if you're the Portland Brass, you're you're maybe looking at some guys who you expected to make a jump that that didn't quite take the jump that you were maybe hoping for in some of the you know the 18 to 19 year old seasons or the 17 to 18 year old seasons. And you know how much of that is plays into different things, but you know, Portland is, it's been a ride, uh, this season and, and their fans have, you know, it's as, you know, you kind of watch your, your mentions and you see some of the different social media posts that just kind of have been on that roller coaster w- with the team as well. And, you know, kind of the, the way I'd wrap that this thought up is just confidence and, and junior hockey is, is very, uh, it can be a fickle thing. At times, and especially when you're talking about teenage uh, young men. Yeah, I mean, if there's if if there's any listeners to the show that you know didn't watch any regular season games and are just picking it up for the playoffs, and you know you open up your uh, you know you look at the standings and going forty twenty and eight. I mean, you know that's uh, you've won twice as many games as you lost. 
And you got to feel pretty good about that. And, you know, 40 wins is a plateau that they were happy to reach. I mean, that is a, that is, you know, a, a, a significant mark, especially now only playing 68 games in a year. And, you know, if you would have just kind of jumbled them up where, you know, you win three, lose one, you know, whatever over the course of the year, like, you know, maybe, maybe you're, I think you take that. I think if you, if you, you know, pitched me that last September, I'd say, yeah, that's, that sounds fun. Let's, you know, let's do that. It's just in the way that they did it, that they, that they looked so good. And, you know, you wonder how, how they can, how they can recapture that. And, and, uh, again, I'm sure that's something that they're working on, but, you know, I mean, they, uh, it, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like they were a, a bad team in this, the, some of the parts and, and they've been kind of beat up over the, course of that span too i mean you know i think you know anytime you you don't you, you don't have the depth to you know to go without a chisowski for example and yep. and that's you know as far as what he brings to that team and a lot of you know uh, intangibles as they say things that don't show up on the on the score sheet necessarily and and that's the thing that's hurt him and you know it sounds like i mean the 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 i don't have the same sources you have but it sounds like uh it sounds like they got expected that everybody will be available come uh come friday night yeah that's what it's that's what it's starting to sound like and you know there's always the the gamesmanship at this time of the year and you gotta you know take updates with with a grain of salt but kind of you know what what i was hearing just you know kind of you know poking around and just talking to different people just trying to get get a sense of things was that shazowski if this was a playoffs over the weekend he probably probably could have played uh, it's just one of those where you saw Seattle do the same thing where they held some, some of their players out over, over the weekend. Just, you know, everyone was slotted in and the games, not, they, they didn't matter, but they had no impact in the standing. So I think Chazowski is probably good to go. I, I believe Aiden Litke was in a, was in a full contact Jersey. Uh, and then Luca Cagnoni who left in the second period, I was told that, that he was okay. Uh, and was was trending along nicely. I haven't heard how how practice went today, uh, and and what what if if there was any kind of lingering of effects from from that hit. But uh, by all indications, so far, you know, and it's granted it's Tuesday, you know, evening when we're recording this. So depending upon when you're listening, there might be you know new information out. But uh, by the sounds of it, they they should they should be at least cl- very close to a to a full lineup. Obviously, w- without the without Chaz Lucius, but you know, I, that one's kind of, he's one of those where you have to list him as a scratch cause he's still on the roster, but he's kind of the afterthought at this point of, you know, he's never coming back type of thing. So at, at that point, you know, they're, they're probably as close to, to healthy as, as, as they're going to be, which is not the same case for, for the Everett Silvertips, who is there, who is Portland's, you know, matchup here in the first round. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you mentioned, you know the the way folks talk about these things online and you know obviously you know with all the the candor and grace that you know online discussions often often have and you know i remember seeing after the uh after this, the the final game of the, the year the saturday game in in kent that you know the winterhawks won which you know was nice to to fin- to finish off the the season with that especially after the the friday game and I saw a Thunderbirds fan that, that I know that I feel like knows the game. And he was like, well, you know, I mean, we're, you know, the Seattle was sitting most of their guys and Portland was playing their, their guns. So that's okay. And I'm like, yeah, the kid that made his 
WHL debut that night and two other call-ups that I don't know if they're technically AP players or not, but, you know, we're taking a regular shift. I'm like, you know, if you want to think that's that's Portland's big guns, I mean, go. I mean, I'm sure, but, I mean, you know, beauty is definitely in the eye of the, the beer holder a lot of times. That was just something I wanted to, to touch on. I was like, eh. You know, I mean, they did. They did have a, you know, a pretty, a pretty rookie heavy lineup. At least, at least the forward position. You know, dressing three of them, right? Yeah, and you know, Seattle. You know, in not to take sides in any of this. I think both teams probably weren't weren't playing their their, their quote unquote guns. I think Seattle was probably missing. You know, and it's always interesting when when you've got a team like Seattle and the number of players that that they have. You know, they can absorb a couple of guys out of the lineup probably a little bit better than than Portland can to to your earlier point but you know when when they're not playing you know so, some of their kind of NHL drafted guys that you know but they still have three or four others in the lineup that makes a little bit of a difference as opposed to you know when Portland's missing a, a couple of their guys but you know that's the that's the beauty of the rivalry right you you've got you got two very different perspectives watching the same game so uh, that's in one sense kind of what makes sports fun well, I mean, just the, the sheer numbers. I think they were scratched like six guys in each of those games, and 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 yep. just a, a full lineup. So I don't know if they have, you know, the their black aces up already or something. But it's just kind of, you know, and that might be kind of what you know Portland's trying to do too with some of these guys. But yeah, it was just like I was like, how can you have that many guys scratched and still have a full lineup? You know, I thought that was interesting. Yep. Yeah, the the roster limitation starts to go away once the once the once the players are done playing in their in their either Bantam or, or midget season. Once they're done, they can technically be added to the roster. So um, that's why some of these guys, like when McDonough came up, he, he can play in as many games now because his season's over. Uh, that's why Carson Dick is up here with, with Portland. Um, I think uh, Coots for Seattle was in that same situation. He's their first-round pick as a, I think it was 16. I can't remember if he's 15 or 16 hockey year, but um, you know, so that's where you start to see some of those call-ups and kind of black aces start to kind of get into the fold a little bit more often than not. They're, they don't usually end up seeing the ice, but uh, in games like games like that, that's an opportunity for some of these players to, to get some of that experience and in, in a, in a full speed game, you know, the preseason is one thing, but that, you know, everybody knows it's preseason. This is, a little bit more of a ramp up speed compared to that just being regular season, but yeah, it's it, that's that's kind of at least in, in my eyes, kind of how how things kind of are are shaking out here towards the end of the regular season. Just I was just looking at looking at something else and didn't even mean to stumble across this, but you know, talk about injuries. Portland had one player play in all sixty eight. Yep, and that's uh, you know. I mean, not everybody's going to, and it doesn't necessarily mean a lot one way or the other, but, I mean, usually you have more than one guy that played in the full complement of games, you know? Yeah, I think last year they had six guys do it, if I'm remembering right. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's close, where they had um, a whole bunch of guys that, you know, compared to this year, like you're saying, whether it be, you know, like I think Stefan missed some time from coming back from, from King's camp and then he was suspended. You had Clausen and Fromm Delorme who had some injuries. Canyoni would have played in all 68. He was healthy the whole year, but he missed the one for the top prospects game. 
so technically played 68 games, just not all, not all for Portland. So, uh, you know, and then you had some other guys who, who got close as well, but yeah, Carter Southern was the only one and pretty impressive for a rookie defenseman to be the one that plays in all 68. Yeah. Well, if there's a guy that, you know, you, the, the cliche of, you know, there's no rookies this time of year cause everybody's, you know, got experience. I mean that, uh, you know, you could definitely, definitely talk about Southern in that regard. I mean, he looks, you know, pretty poised. I think the, I haven't seen recent draft rankings lately, but uh, it seems like he's 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 moving up every time the new ones come out. Yeah, he, he's definitely you know put together a, a strong season. I, you know, he's kind of been billed as as an offensive defenseman, and you're starting to see some flashes with that. But you're also starting to see him kind of realize that he's a bigger body. Uh, I don't I don't think he maybe at the start of the year played the same way that he started to at the, at you know the, the second half here. I, I've really kind of liked his game that, you know, there's still obviously it's a development league, like none of these players are their finished product, but you know, there he, he's made some tremendous strides and started to earn kind of more of the, of the coaches trust and in, in different situations. But yeah, he, he's definitely a, a player that, you know, NHL teams for whatever reason, they love their size despite more and more players being, you know, you know the, these five foot eight, five foot ten players, but you know when when you're a guy like Carter Souther in size, and it, it can make a, um, it can help you rise up the draft board a, a little bit. And you know he's kind of overshadowed a little bit by what Luca Cagnoni has has done, and who today got announced as a second team uh, All Star. So uh, in the U.S. Division, so you know when you're playing behind. Uh, him and then also two NHL drafted picks in, in Ryan McClear and, and Mark Alsher, uh, and Alsher who signed his entry level deal with Florida uh, in the last month of the season. You know, it, some of those minutes are, are are harder to come by, and you know, Southern along with some of the other depth defensemen certainly felt that kind of minute crunch. Well, now you're now you're selling me on potential success of of this club here in this in this first round against Everett and then and then who knows maybe maybe more beyond I mean you know a lot of folks feel like you know you build from the goalie out and the the defense core is really key to that and we've seen this you know those those four players you mentioned you know playing together for you know essentially an eternity as far as junior hockey goes and you know, there's still another a year eligibility left for for most of these guys in that in this in this grouping, and so you know, if you have a, a strong defensive core like that, that's you know enough to, to tip the scales most nights. I mean, you know, how, how do you see that going forward? Yeah, I, I think the, the the defense as a whole, um, you know, when you start to include the forwards a little bit, you know, especially during that losing streak, they're there was a lot of lapses in defense's own coverage and, you know, whether that be things Portland was doing or whether it was, you know, the other teams taking, you know, advantage. I think that's always one thing I try and point out to people is that it's not necessarily always a mistake by, by a Portland player. You know, it's, there's another team on the other end of the ice that's trying to, you know, do things too. And they're quality, quality players. But, you know, with that said, I think, I think there was, you know, there was a lot of film sessions around defense's own coverage and how far out do they chase and guys maybe getting too far into the corners or getting on the wrong side of the puck. So, um, you know, for the most part, I, I think the defense is, is a solid group. I, I think if you're if you're Dante or, you know, or Jan, you're probably asking for a little bit more 
uh, a run support and and be a little bit better, you know, coverage. Uh, a lot of breakaways, I think, in the second half of the year. A lot of odd man rushes as well. So that'll be something Portland's going to want to kind of clean up a little bit. But that just sometimes comes with with the style of play that the that the Winterhawks want to do under Mike Johnson. And uh, it, it's tough on the goalies. Uh, I'll, I'll say that for sure. You you feel for those guys back there sometimes. And you know, Portland likes to you know they've got the motto of ten shots in ten minutes and. And they also, you know, I think, you know, there's a majority of their games where they outshot their opponent. And so what that means sometimes is for the for the defense or for the goalies is you may not have, you're not in there in that zone very often. And when you are, then all of a sudden it's grade A chances and they're ending up in the back of the net. So, you know, for, for Portland, I think, you know, normally it's, you can kind of have this mentality of, you know, hey, let's score eight. We'll give up seven, but we'll, we'll score eight. This Portland team is not built that way. They, they don't have a Seth Jarvis, a Cody Glass, a Nick Batan. They don't have those types of players. They don't, they don't have a Jaden Darrow or a Cross Hannis with all due respect to the, to their roster. So they're not going to win. And so the, their ability to defend needs to be at a higher standard, I think, than, than you know previous Portland teams. So if they're able to defend and they're going to have they're going to have their hands full with Jackson Berzowski, who um, is just put up and breaking records left and right in in with, with Everett this year uh, as as their overage player. You know we haven't touched on it yet, but Everett's going to be a little shorthanded. And you talk about being banged up, but Portland's defense is going to have a challenge with Berzowski. He he, there's a I mean he gets his nickname Bear for you know part of. But because of his name, of his name, but also just the way he plays on the ice, and we've seen teams that can that give Portland fits is when they have a heavy forecheck and they make these young Winterhawk defensemen take play the body, and when they have to t- take a hit, and sometimes that results in turnovers or extended defenses on shifts and coverage. So for Portland to be successful, I think a lot of it's going to come down to their breakout and can they get out clean. Can they clear the puck on on first attempts on a on a penalty kill? So I think that's probably the the first start when when I look at this series from a Portland perspective, is is how does Portland manage in their own zone? Yeah, and you know you're right. We're gonna you know we're the ways into this, and we're gonna have to talk about the other team at some point. Um, you know, and and, and sure, some a lot of Winterhawks fans probably have been frustrated with the way that the last, you know, two months went, but it's kind of similar to what the Silvertips have went through, only, you know, their demise started, you know, beginning of December with, with World Junior Camp. And, you know, obviously, if, you know, if you have a, 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 a Team Canada World Junior defenseman, you know, playing 30, 35 minutes, whatever it was, you know, a lot, you can cover a lot of deficiencies, but Man, I really couldn't believe how how different they looked, you know. And losing their coach at the same time, you know, uh, to also to World Juniors didn't really couldn't couldn't help the situation at all. But I just it was really stark to me to see what what a difference, you know, that the Silvertips team is, you know, in the the post Zellweger era. Yeah, they you know that was kind of the start for them, and and Everett has. You know they've they've kind of I don't want to say gone for it the past couple of years, but they've traded away of a fair number of, of draft picks recently, and and so you know Dennis Williams, who who you mentioned, you know kind of is looking at you know who's also the, their general manager there as well, 
um, you're looking at at kind of your roster management and you're seeing what some of these prices are at at the you know the trade deadline and you got a team like Kamloops that calls up and asks for Zellweger and Hofer and you can get the amount of picks back that they were able to and you kind of have to kind of have to say yes to that for the future of your organization and you know that that probably wasn't an easy decision for them to you know that was kind of them signaling that you know they were still they're still a good team they were obviously still going to make the playoffs but like you mentioned they just become a very different team without Hofer and, and Zellweger um a on their power play, which you know fit, finished middle of the pack after being kind of higher up in, in the season, but in the earlier part of the season. So, you know, those that that probably changes the outlook of, of the Silver Tips in this series big time. If those two players are there, uh, is you know Zellweger what he's able to do on the back end, like you mentioned. You know, I, I know at one point he was like you said he was averaging about thirty three minutes a night, which was just a, amazing you know no matter what level you're playing that that's just a lot of minutes and so um yeah you're right but you know from from Everett's standpoint they're 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 hurting uh up front they're going to be without most likely obviously again this time of year you don't really know um but ben hammerling who's who's nhl drafted and then austin ruth who's who's had who's just had a tremendous breakout season um are both likely going to be out for at least the start of the playoffs, we'll see kind of what what their timeline looks like. But those are two of their top three scores that are going to be out. They're also out a couple of defensemen as well. They had, you know, you talk about Black Aces earlier with Seattle and Portland. They had called up four guys uh, after after their um, kind of younger seasons were over. But if Everett's without Hemmerling and Roost as as projected, they might struggle offensively to score. Uh, and th- and that could that could maybe turn the tides in in Portland's favor, but you're you know back to your original thing. They they just are they were a hundred percent a different team without Zellweger. Yeah, I mean they were they were pretty good. I thought. I mean certainly you know right there in the standings, and and yeah, it just uh, you know so put yourself in, in you know in their shoes you know to to think about you know they were pretty excited. You know, I assume they were excited anyway for, for the first part of the year, and then like, and then now what? You know, and and just knowing that you know the the air is out of the balloon to a certain extent, but you know, I mean that being said, they're still, you know, ended up like, let's see what 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 they end up with for a record, but, um, you know, I mean they still found themselves in 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 the playoffs, like you're saying, and 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 a, you know they didn't have to scrape or claw to get in, you know. Well, five hundred teams. So I guess, I guess you know you're 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 one game better than five hundred. So you're a little more excited than you would be otherwise. I, I don't know. I guess I'm trying. I'm trying to pump their tires for some reason. If you know, if we have Silvertips fans listening, and you know, I have some some friends in that area with that team or whatever. But uh, yeah, so yeah. it's 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 kind of a it's it, you you know that 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 guillotine's coming down on you for a long time. If you're a Silvertips fan, you're just kind of waiting for it to drop. I suppose. Yeah, and it's you're in a in a sense you're kind of punting on this season, and you know with with the with the hope that you know you're going to build for, for the future, and you know Seattle and Kamloops are, are naturally going to take a step back um, next next year, and I'm not saying either one is necessarily going to be a bad team, but they're not they're naturally going to take a step back, and so if you're ever and you, you look at you look at some of these guys that they've got on their roster and and kind of their ages, and you go okay we've 
you know, obviously they're going to lose Berzowski and, and Peltier, but the, they'll have, you know, they, they should have Roost and Hemmerling back next year. And, and you look at some of the picks that they acquired and, you know, whether they use those themselves or they turn those into assets, kind of like Seattle did with all their trades with, with Kelowna. Uh, a few years ago and you turn those those picks into you know maybe there's someone out out east after you know after red deer or or winnipeg maybe takes a step back you know there's there could be some players out there that that they could you know quick you know quickly turn this into a rebuild you know or not a rebuild but a reload and and you know when when you make the playoffs you you try and you you know you kind of look at it and say you know with zellweger and hofer were they going to beat seattle or kamloops as they were, uh, maybe, or you go, okay, we can get all these picks. We can take our chances in the first round and, and, and live to fight another day when, when maybe it's our turn. So, uh, you know, that's just, it's just a unique part and it's the fickle part of, of, uh, of junior hockey and, and, and the cycle and, and how it goes. You know, I was, I was thinking about this today, Josh, as far as, you know, getting ready for this series and, you know, the, a lot of people kind of looked at the silver tips kind of a, a side eye when uh, in the bubble season, you know, when they played most of their, you know, better players. Like, you know, I mean, you know, you what's the what's the Dennis Green? You know, you win to you you play to win the game, right? And they, yeah, and they right. did, and everybody else is playing their fifteens or sixteens as much as they can, and you kind of wonder is this kind of, you know, when those those chickens are kind of hatching for them a little bit as far as you know they i mean yeah they won a, they won the division that year they hung a banner they went 45 and 13 in the first full season they hung another banner you know they do love their banners up there in the you know in the cable box but you know i kind of i kind of wonder if uh you know they in some ways they wish they would have had another another couple of guys you know blossoming now that they could have been planting them seeds, you know, over, uh, that, that 2021 year. Yeah. And that's just, that's, and like we talked about, that's the, that's just how junior hockey goes. And if, if they do that, they probably don't have the banners a couple of years ago and nothing's a guarantee. So, you know, once the banner goes up, it's, it's up there, right? They, they're not taking it down. Um, I've, I've haven't seen teams, you know, take down championship banners. You, you see in other sports where, you know, I think national championships and like NCAA basketball or something have been, you know, revoked or different things, but people don't remember that or different things. So I don't know. It's, it's a unique perspective with, you know, with how, you know, do you want to be good now or do you want to be good later? And when you say you're going to be good later, you look back and say, man, we weren't very good, but then you're now and you're like, well, okay, we weren't very good back then. So it's just kind of this weird, kind of cycle i guess so it's just a uh when when you're not a professional team and and you can't sign guys to eight year contracts and kind of keep the majority of your roster the same that you know within every four years you're going to have a hundred percent turnover of a roster and that just that makes being a general manager and you know anyone who's involved in some of these decisions it makes it a makes it a hard job and as a fan it's also it's hard because you want to win every year and it's this league sometimes is not set up that way you know that's yeah, and it's it's another thing I was thinking about uh, last night when I was taping the unfiltered uh, Eastern Conference preview, and we were talking about that 2018 Swift Current team, and how they're still recovering to this day from you know trading away all those assets, but it worked and they won, and 
And one of the things they did to re- recoup was was Joel Hofer coming yep. coming here to Portland, and you know, and so then you're like, you know, especially if you're Kamloops or Kelowna rather that particular year, you know, you're frustrated that you know they invested these assets in Joel Hofer and didn't get to see the payoff because we didn't we didn't have a, a tournament that year. But on the other hand. You know, when we go in the rink Friday night and you look up and there's a, a banner from winning the whole league, you know, regular season, you know, that year, well, then it kind of makes you feel better about spending those assets because now you have something, you have something tangible that, you know, no, nobody else got anything out of, out of that particular season when, and the Winterhawks had the, the best record in the entire Western Hockey League. So it's kind of, you know, kind of helps the, the, the medicine go down a little bit as far as, you know, the, the, the assets you spent to, acquire a goalie that you never got to see uh, playoffs from. Yeah. Yep. 100%. So another thing that's really interesting about this uh, Silver Tips team is, you know, one one of the, for my money, one of the most interesting trades we saw uh, all year was the the, the one-for-one goalie swap with uh, Victoria and a couple of guys that, you know, their teams weren't, I don't think we're frustrated with. I think they were still happy with them, but you know, both guys needed a, a change of scenery, and you know, Holt seemed to, to, to thrive in in uh, out there on the island. And Victoria certainly got a lot of work. Seems like, um, and Tyler Palmer seems like he settled in Victoria or in the effort rather, and, and did pretty well. I mean, how do you? I mean, what, what was your kind of thoughts on on uh, that that goalie swap? Yeah, I think it's just a, a situation where, like you said, both both teams needed a or both players needed a change of scenery, and you know the the age thing kind of worked worked out for for both teams, and you know both teams you know still wanted to get a have a starting goaltender quality, and and both go- those goalies are, uh, you know, so it it's one of those where you kind of like there was really nothing else, like no no one asked for a fourth in addition or anything like that, and it was probably just one of those where, where you've got the two general managers and, you know, in, in both situations, I, I think we're, we're both where Dan Price is also serving as the general manager. See so where you've got, you know, the coach and the general manager wearing the, you know, are the same, same guy. So that, you know, I, I think it's one of those where, you know, you, you gotta be careful sometimes what you ask for. Cause you may, you know, if, if you're, if you're Palmer, you want, you want out of, of what was going on in, in Victoria and you go to, you go to Everett and then all of a sudden Zellweger and, and Hofer are gone and you're kind of facing a whole bunch of shots again, but you're at least going to the playoffs. But then if you're Braden Holt and you're kind of like, Hey, I'm kind of sick of this and I, or, you know, you're not too pleased or you're, you're looking for kind of a different opportunity. And then you go to Victoria and you're facing 50 shots a night, like, and you're missing the playoffs. So I, I don't know. Like it's, it's one of those, you know, straight hockey trades is, you know, where, where you're trading two roster players, one for one for each other. So again, I don't, I don't think either team lost the trade. I don't know if either team necessarily won the trade, but it was just kind of a kind of a, a shakeup, and and hopefully for for the for for both players that you know they look back on it and and are and are positive, and and both teams maybe don't have regrets. But yeah, definitely it it changed the the, the makeup of, of the of what the goalies looked like in the Western Conference. Yeah, and that's a you know if we're talking about goaltending in the series i mean that's kind of a, a a weird you know situation here in portland that you know 
most most of the time when you have an overage goalie, they're going to play, you know, two thirds, seventy percent of the games. You know, they're going to, you know, you because you don't want to burn that overage spot with uh, a player that's that's sitting on the bench for for sixty minutes. But you know, MJ has never really worked that way when they've had you know overage goalies. They kind of just approach it like any other age group and then and this year obviously that didn't seem to be too concerned with the value of of the third overage spot because they didn't even use it and so you know in games when uh, Spoonar is playing then you only have one overager and that's just fine apparently I, I kind of wondered if there wasn't somebody out there that you could have plucked to, to to fill that role but you know as, as a third 20 but you know apparently not and so then here we are and you know I'm kind of curious as to see you know, again, so this is a you know Giannuzzi, he's a you know fifth year guy, and he's he's uh, you you gave him a chance to develop, but you know Spoonar's looked really good down the stretch as well, and has better numbers. So I mean, I, I, I we assume we're going to see seventy four behind the uh, in in front of the cage here on Friday night. Yeah, I I honestly I, I don't know, and and that's I think that's the the unfortunate part from. You know, if you're the if you're if you're Januzzi, um, you know I, I haven't been able to get a read on that. Now, granted, I've been covering this team for for five years as well. It's my overage season as well, I guess. Um, but anytime you ask Mike Johnson about about goalies, he's pretty mums the word on it. So um, I haven't been able to get any sort of indication one way or the other. But uh, which is in one sense, I think maybe a little bit disappointing that he's not coming out and, and, and backing a particular goaltender. Um, most of the comments that I get from him are that he's thankful that he has two quality net miners that they feel can help them win a game every night. And he said multiple times that, that, you know, other teams don't have that where if they're going to their backup, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And, and so, you know, similar to how Portland has been, from a scoring standpoint by committee and on a defensive perspective as well, it's kind of been that same way down the stretch here with the goaltending and the goaltending has, you know, they, they've kind of done it by committee a little bit. Uh, you know, Januzzi did not get any sort of run support during that losing streak. He, you know, I don't remember how many shots he faced in, in Prince George, but he gets a shutout and stops four or six in, in the shootout and still gets a loss. And it's not it's not often that you you have something like that where where you have that many saves and also get to a shootout with a shutout and and lose. So it, it's a you know there I don't I don't feel like goaltending was ever their problem. You know down down the stretch. You know sure are there goals that a that a goalie would like back. Yeah, but there's also shifts a defenseman and a forward would like back as well. So I think sometimes like you have in football where, you know, it all comes down, you know, everyone blames the kicker. Well, okay. What about everything else that happened before that? Right. Like why couldn't, you know, why couldn't the offensive line block better? Why couldn't that receiver make the catch and get, get it closer or whatever it might be, you know? So I think sometimes when it's just one guy back there, it's a little bit easier to kind of pinpoint some of that. And so I, I think both, both goaltenders have kind of taken some, some unfair criticism in, in my opinion, from an objective stand standpoint. Uh, but as of right now, I don't have any indication or any um, kind of inside knowledge on, on who the starter is going to be. Um, and that's, that's something that, you know, I've, I've pried on and tried, tried to get an answer and it, it's pretty mums the word right now. 
Well, when we talk about, you know, gamesmanship and, you know, that's probably, you know, I'm sure Dennis Williams will listen to the show, you know, when he gets gets it downloaded and, you know, try to figure it out. And he's not yet, he's not going to get that from us. So, you know, that's a, you know, uh, you know, a feather in, in the cap of uh, for Mike Johnson. But no, I mean, it's. You know, I feel like you're going to want to, you know, reward the, the, the loyalty of, of the guy that you know. But at the same time, I mean, it's a wins business. And but the, but the flip side of that is, you know, both guys are good and he's not he's not, you know, blowing smoke at that point. And I I'm sure they do feel comfortable with either guy. And so, you know, whatever, however they end up, I mean, it, that leash doesn't have to be all that long, you know, because you're going to be comfortable with uh you know, with mixing and matching goalies, you know, however, however much you, you, you have to do that if if you have to do it at all. So, you know, and it could be a thing, you know, a, a, I mean, I don't want to be dismissive of the silver tips, but, I mean, it could be kind of a, a get-right game or four to seven get-right games in, in, a, in a row. And, you know, it could maybe maybe uh, this could kind of would cure, cure what ails them as far as, you know, getting back on, on track as far as uh, the, the entire team. And that's, you know, goaltending right on out through the – through the forwards yeah and and you know i'll take you back to to last year's opening round you know against prince george prince george started ty young right and he was he was the younger goaltender and he started that first game and after that he you know he got he got pulled um you know by mark lamb that their their head coach up there and and tyler brennan came in and and took over and so you, you just and he had a had a whale of a series. So you, you just never really know at that point. And just because one you know a guy starts game one doesn't necessarily mean that the same guy is going to play the entire time. And you know Seattle's probably in that same boat with Milich and Ratzlaff. They they were almost a, an even split. I think they played thirty three and thirty four games each. And so um, you know it, it's you know in a sense it's a luxury to have that you know if something isn't going you know, one guy's way, you, you can flip to the other guy and then you just kind of ride the hot hand a little bit, but, uh, you know, from, from a team perspective. So, uh, yeah, that's, you know, where, you know, where you look at some of these other teams and if, if they have to go to their backup, they're, they're going to be in trouble or, or they're maybe not as likely to, you know, to have as quick of a, of a hook to, to try and change that momentum. Uh, you know, where, where Portland and, and some of these other teams that, that have that second nutminder, they, they have a little bit more of, of that luxury uh, in, in that regard. You know, what for for me, the down the stretch for, for this this forward group for the Winterhawks, it was the best of times and the worst of times in that it seemed like that that third line, that uh, Budazoni yes. line, um, was really stirring the, the drink and they were good every night. And a lot of times they were Portland's best line, which is awesome. And you have that kind of depth. That's really going to make hay in the playoffs. But if the more your third line is your best line is not really sustainable. And that's a big reason why they struggled down the stretch with some of their, you know, more household names were struggling, putting the puck in the net. We've talked earlier about, you know, score by committee and, and that kind of thing. I mean, I kind of wonder, you know, what, you know, what they need to put in place to get, you know, Clausen from Delorme, you know, James Stefan. I mean, how do you how do you get these guys 
you know, on the same page, find the right line combos because, you know, I mean, we, we know they can do it because we saw it for, you know, 70% of the season. Yeah, that, that third line, kind of back to your first point there, has just been, it's been remarkable. And I know Mike Johnson challenged that group and, and kind of said, hey, I, I need more from you. And that group, to their credit, responded. And, you know, Josh Zakreski, I think, you know, myself included, you know, you, you sometimes forget that he's got a late birth year. So while he's a 17-year-old, he's, you know, he's, I think, two weeks short of being, you know, a 16-year-old, right? He's got a December 17th birthday. So, you know, he's kind of like Tyson Kozak in a way where he's a, he's a young 17-year-old. And, you know, last year he, he only played in 11 games. So it's basically his rookie season. And, you know, as coming down the stretch here, he's got, he's got points in, in eight of his last 10 games. And he's really kind of, kind of thrived along, alongside Luke Shelter and Jago Buttazzoni. And, and, and Buttazzoni's, you know, starting to, you're starting to see the number of faceoffs that, that he's taking increase, which means he's also starting to get a little more defensive zone starts for a while. That third line wasn't trusted to, to start in the defensive zone. So, you know, in your line combinations, you're you're rolling, and sometimes you you have to play guys at a at a shorter um, with a shorter rest than you maybe would like because you're you're not quite as trusting of of that group on on defenses on starts, and so uh, you know that's been that's been a huge step, like like you said, but it's also it's great when your third line is going, but it's even better when your third line is going in addition to your top two lines and. You know, I think some of that struggle has been on their power play. Their power play's kind of been—it's either been really hot or really cold, and it's—it's uh, it's kind of been kind of up and down down the stretch uh, here. And uh, you know, Portland, Portland definitely needs guys to 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 step up and kind of start putting the, the puck in the net a little bit more. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't like calling out, calling guys out, but you just when you're just looking at, at the straight numbers. You know, James Stefan last year had 34 goals. This year he had 22. And, you know, that's a, that's something that when, when you're a goal scorer, you need to, you need to be having those, those goals. And yeah, his, his assist numbers were about the same uh, from a year ago. It's, it's just, you know, he, I think he was used differently on the power play this year than, than he was in, in years past. Um, but you know he, he's a player with 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 the with the pedigree and who attended an NHL training camp and uh, you know he he's a player who if he can start kind of finding his groove again and gets that confidence in the stick a little bit maybe not not gripping it quite so tight that you know he could be a big big factor for for Portland and you know from Delorme kind of became a power play specialist a, a little bit over half of his goals came on on, on the power play and so um, you know when the power play is not going you know you know, what, what's that looking like? So that there, there's a little bit, bit there and, you know, Klaassen has just kind of been steady Eddie, um, you know, all, kind of all year for him after starting out, re- starting off really hot, but you know, there, there's something I think that that's gotta, that's gotta click in, in that, in that top six. I think getting Litkey back will, will, will certainly help. Uh, you know, he's one of their kind of their prime shooters, uh, kind of with a, with a heavy shot who, who likes to do that. And, 
Um, you know, he's had some, he's had some, some good chemistry with Jack O'Brien in, in, in the past. And, you know, O'Brien's another player who, you know, you, you kind of maybe would have looked to, to have some increase in numbers. You know, you know, Clawson was, was kind of, you know, um, pretty level from, from year to year. And um, so, you know, your top six guys have to eventually in the playoffs, that's where the cream rises to the top. And so I, I think that's the challenge for these players of okay it's go time there there's no more there's no more tomorrow you're guaranteed four games at this point and and that's it so um you know we'll, we'll see kind of what what kind of fire these guys have and and you know that's a competitive group in there i i can tell you from 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 being in that locker room area after games and after practices th- that group wants to win so it, you know we'll see it as you know playoffs ha- have a funny way of bringing out unsung heroes but also at a time of making you know your stars into superstars you know you look at a guy like Nathan McKinnon who you know yeah he has a good regular season but he just takes his game to a different level in the playoffs you look at a guy like Pat Maroon who all of a sudden you know wins what three straight cups or two straight cups and um who's just a who's just a quality player Danny Breer is another guy who kind of comes to mind of being good in the playoffs so you know, who's that going to be for Portland? And, and, you know, is, is there kind of an unsung hero that that's going to step up or is one of the stars going to say, you know, hop on my back boys, let's go. And I think that's what I'm probably looking forward to most about, about this year's team of who's go- Who's going to step up and say, yep, let's go. And I'm, you know, follow. Me. Yeah. You know, and I, and I share your reluctance to, to call anybody out in particular. I think that's, that's more for the pros, you know, and, and, uh, you know, at our level, I mean, I don't know how many parents listen to the show or, you know, people in the in the front office or whatnot, but, uh, you know, but if, but you look at a couple of – we mentioned a couple of guys with, you know, disappointing numbers. They'd probably tell you they had disappointing numbers, and you're kind of a, a team slump away from, you know, if the team's scoring a, a couple – if they score a couple more goals, then they probably win those games and everybody's happy. You know, I feel like that's kind of – they kind of all coincided as far as – Yep. You know that rough stretch they went through as individuals, and then that that showed up in the in the standings. But at the same time, I mean, you know, as, assuming that you know things aren't just broken, you know, that you can you can put them back together and get clicking again, and you know the competitive juices of uh, you know playoff opportunities. I mean, you got to think that uh, you know I'm, I'm optimistic, but you, you know me, I'm generally optimistic, so it's it's easy for me to to put that hat on. But yeah, no, I'd like to see. I mean, we'd all like to see a few more goals out of out of some of some of Portland's regulars. And I think, uh, you know, I think I think there's there's more to give anyway. Yeah, and I and I think one of the things that's gonna that you're also that that kind of maybe you, you there is line matching in regular season, but not nearly to the extent that there is in playoffs. And you know, with Portland having the the home ice. Uh, you know, at least these first two games and, and, and in the series, they're, they're going to be able to dictate their matchups. And, you know, and that's one of the advantages that Portland has, especially if Everett is as banged up as, as the weekly re- report from last week and, and their lineup from their last, from their game 68 indicates, um, which again, you, you don't know because, you know, the weekly report is what it is. And then the, you know, we saw Portland and Seattle both hold, hold out players and it's hard to know which guys are actually injured and which guys are, you know, could have played, didn't play that type of thing. But that's where Portland's advantage I think can really shine through in a, uh, in a playoff series is, you know, they, they may not mind putting out their Portland's top line 
or, or excuse me, their third line against, you know, Everett's top de- uh, defensive pair, or they may not uh, mind put, putting that butt zoning line out against uh, Berezowski if, if he's out there. Or, um, you know, because if, if you survive that matchup and now all of a sudden you got, you know, Portland's top line against, you know, Everett's second or third line. So that that's where, that's where we're really going to start to see some of the coaching come through and how do teams adjust from game one to game two and, and probably the even bigger adjustment from game two to three. Um, but th- those kind of odd number games in, in a playoff series are tend to be, you know, all the games are important, but those odd number games are, are so critical and such swing games in, in a series. And, you know, for Portland, like you mentioned, this could be a, this could be a get right opportunity, or this could, you know, hopefully for their sake, not kind of fuel any more doubt that might be out there. And, um, you know, and that's one of the things you, you sometimes worry about, especially kind of down the stretch with with the number of of losses that they had. Is is where's their confidence at? And you know, when, when you're playing with confidence, you're a different type of player. You, you know, you're not you're not hesitating, you're not overthinking, you're just kind of letting your, your instincts and, and your hockey IQ take over. And for for Portland, it's it's how to, you know they've had you know they didn't play Sunday, so they'll basically have basically five or six days off to, to kind of figure this out and figure out how they're going to attack Everett and, and kind of move forward from there. Yeah. You mentioned the, the line matching and, and that is always a, you know, one of my favorite chess games, you know, in the playoffs and uh, you know, and he specifically mentioned that, you know, that third line and, 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 you know, they're probably comfortable, you know, throwing them out there against, you know, whoever and, I, it was a road game in this case, but I know. I mean, how many times did we see Zakreski going up against Connor Bedard, and they seemed right. like they weren't they weren't worried about that one at all. Which you know, at, at that point, well, you know, the, we took on the roughest and the toughest. So what's what's left? You know what I mean? So I thought that was very interesting. You know, back in the on the on the Eastern Swing, and and seemed like they did okay with it. You know, I think held them to two goals, which is you know pretty pretty good pretty good night against Bedard. So, but uh, which is scary that. It, you know, holding a guy to two goals is considered a good night, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just what a, what a player, man! Yeah. I, I, it's a it's a bummer about the COVID season um, and, and kind of how COVID happened and impacting the schedule. Where you know you never got a chance to see Bedard come through Portland, uh, come through the U.S. Division. It, it's 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 a shame that we didn't get a, a chance, and for the fans to to get a chance to be able to to see that phenom play. Even as a 16 year old, he was a he was a pretty special player and. He's gonna he's gonna make some NHL franchise very happy come June. Yeah, yeah. Five only five buildings that that Bedard's not played in this year, and 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 we have one of them. So, yeah. Um, one of the things, Chad, too, that just and I don't, uh, you know, far be it from me as the guest to to try and try and run your show, but um, one of the things that kind of as I was looking at this series, kind of kind of two numbers stood out for me, it and kind of had been a key to Portland's success is A, outshooting their opponents, and B, it's leading after two periods. So Portland has um, is undefeated in when they've led after after two periods. They, they had one, I should say, undefeated in regulation. Uh, they had one overtime loss, but they were 28-0-1 uh, when leading after two periods. And then also when they outshoot their opponents, 32-10-4-2. So um, those are kind of key components for, for Portland. Um, they, they have a tendency to, um, you know, that 
they can hold a lead. That that's something we we've seen from them. Uh, we've also seen them kind of make some of those some of those late game comebacks with with, with the goalie pulled uh, at times. But um, we saw definitely saw plenty of those in, in the VMC this year. But those are kind of two numbers I th- I think that'll be that'll be key for that'll be key for Portland. Uh, is is just how is how they can how they can handle that? Can they take advantage of of Everett's um, you know twelfth ranked penalty kill? Uh, I, I think I think that'll that that'll be um, a, a big factor uh, for them as well. Yeah, it's funny just you know talking about the how many times they've outshot the the opponents you know and thinking about the you know the those of us that have watched you know the Mike Johnson era Winterhawks over the course of you know however many years it's been now that you think well don't they outshoot them you know 70 times a year or 60 times a year or whatever it is like <laughs> you you just expect that every night you know and then it's uh it turns out that's not actually the, the case or at least certainly not of, of late but you just kind of expect it to be you know whatever the, whatever the record was for the year just be the same with the record when they outshoot the other guys yeah, no, one hundred percent too. And you know, I I think, um, you know, th- that's just a. It's just um, it, it's a it's a weird, it's a weird factor too. Um, you know, some buildings. You know, Portland's one of them that I think tends to be a little you know quick on the trigger finger when it comes to Portland shots and not so much with their opponents. Um, I know Spokane and Everett are notorious for that too. So, um, you know, probably all even evens out, but you know, kind of the, the other thing too for Portland is, you know, when, when they score first 27, five, one and oh, when, if they don't score first, they're less than 500, uh, 12, 14, four and three. So, um, scoring first and having the lead after two periods seems to kind of be one of the recipes for success, uh, for the Winterhawks. Well, how many times we talk on this show? you know, last year about, you know, they went down three, three, nothing. What was it? Eight times or something ridiculous right. like that and came back and won few of them, you know, but yep. they at least have, have limited that, you know, it seems like. So that's a, it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what do, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a hard one to predict, even though, I mean, the one, the the Winterhawks are 19 points better than than Everett in the the regular season, but you know in some ways they've had you know similar paths to get here. I mean, you know, I I, I expect the Winterhawks to advance. I mean, what what say you? Yeah, I you're right. It's a it's a tough series to, to predict. I I, I think in, in my opinion, a lot of it comes down to to who stays healthiest. I, I think these teams are are probably pretty close if if they're healthy. Uh, I, I do give Portland the, the edge. I, I think I think both, regardless of which goaltender it is, I like Januzzi or Spoonar with uh, over Palmer. I think it, when you have a goaltending matchup like that, um, you know, just from just from kind of what what I've seen watching watching the games and watching them play uh, common opponents, uh, you know, both teams are going to kind of rely on on depth scoring a little bit. You know. Everett has got Berezowski, who's got 48 goals, which uh, is, is a tremendous mark for, for him. And, you know, so they've kind of got a little bit more of kind of their their horse or their bear up front, if I'm going to use their 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 lingo. But, you know, I, I think so for Portland to, to be successful, like I mentioned, it's going to come down to how are they able to do uh, on their breakouts, their defensive zone coverage, can they get their power play clicking, and can they, can they sh- shut down Berezowski? 
from an Everett Everett standpoint, they're going to have to get the goaltending. They're going to need they're going to need Palmer to to to, to do kind of what he was doing in uh, his first stretch with, with Everett and, and a little bit what he was doing in in Victoria. Uh, you know what 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 does their defense look like when when they when we see the lineups come out uh, their power play they're going to have to take advantage of the of their chances uh, when they get them uh, but right now if if I had to make a prediction on Tuesday evening which I am uh, I would say Portland in six is is probably my is probably my prediction I, I think that there's just so many different factors that that can go both ways I expect a lot of the games to be close I don't see a ton of blowouts. Uh, there's probably an overtime game or two uh, in this series that wouldn't surprise me, uh, but and it's gonna it's gonna be fun to to watch as these two teams know each other well. You know, last year, you know, when it was Portland Prince George, those two teams had only played a couple times. You know, Portland and Everett know each other. They know each other like the back of their their hand. They might even know each other better than they know themselves sometimes with the amount of of, of film work that they're doing. So. Uh, it'll be, I'm excited to watch, you know, the head coaching matchup as well between Johnston and Dennis Williams and, and just kind of the gamesmanship that, that happens in the games between the games, how, and how everybody responds. And, you know, one thing from Portland's standpoint is what did they learn last year after being up three, one against Seattle of, of that fourth game or that fourth win is, is the hardest one to get and you can't let your, your foot off the gas and, We'll see if some of these uh, returners have, have learned anything from uh, the playoffs last season. Yeah, just, you know, we, we talk, uh, we've talked extensively about, you know, Portland's first, you know, uh, 40, 45 games and then, the, and then the way it ended. I mean, that, that game that it first started to really unravel was a 5-1 loss in Kamloops in front of a full crowd. And so if uh, – you know, you if you can get through this Everett team, you've probably likely won a return trip to Kamloops, and you know you have a chance to uh, to try to right that ship. Maybe maybe make a second trip to Kamloops here in a couple of months, right? I mean, hey, I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, <laughs> that's junior hockey. You, you never know, and you know what? You know, there's a reason they play the games on the ice and not on paper, and you know, it's these these players can can take you know, steps and, you know, sometimes it's the sum of your parts is, is better. And, you know, it's just one of those where, you know, do these guys believe in each other? Do they have confidence in each other? By, by all accounts, it seems like a really close locker room and, and guys have that belief. And uh, so it'll be an exciting, you know, next month or two or, or maybe even three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't give the, the 2013 Thunderbirds a chance against, Kelowna is the 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 one eight matchup and or two seven I think it was, you know, and they went you know game seven overtime and you know we didn't give the the twenty seventeen Thunderbirds a chance because they had a sixteen year old goalie with seven games to his name in the regular season and and they won the whole thing so I mean you yep. know sometimes you just got to roll the dice but uh, or even last year with Vancouver and Everett no one gave Vancouver a chance and Vancouver upset them right like you you just you don't know. Or the, it's, or the year the Tri-City Americans won the BC division. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, that was fun. You know, I like yeah. that. Portland so, and Prince George, right? Like in what was that, 2017? 17, yeah. Yeah, yeah were, right? Like Portland was so heavily underdog in that series. Like Prince George had loaded up, right? And with some of the some of the players that they had on that team. and Right? And we talked a lot about that last year. Uh, but – 
you know, that's, that's again, that's why they play the games. And, you know, hockey, we, we see it at, at all levels. You know, a goaltender can steal a game, steal a series, can get hot, uh, you know, and it's all, it's just, it's, it's fun to, to watch it play out. And more often than not, sometimes the favorites go down cause it's, it's a unique thing, but it, it also sometimes in, in junior hockey, it, you know, it, it can be a little bit more of the favorites too. So it's, it's just so unique. And, and that's why as a fan or a media member or a staff member or whoever you are, that this is why you play the games. This is why the regular season, why the late nights are worth it. And it, it's it's playoff time, and and it's the most exciting time of the year. Are we uh, are we going to be fortunate enough to have um, you know some coverage uh, extended uh, bonus coverage of uh, of the series on PNW Hockey Talk? We hope to. Uh, a lot of it will kind of depend upon my day job. Uh, to be honest, uh, I'll be at I'll be at the Portland games, uh, barring anything unforeseen uh portland home games i i should say and uh we'll do the best i can to to get uh coverage from from both sides uh, of of the coin on playoffs i, I did that last year with, with, with prince george and, and with seattle and in, in their two series so uh we'll, we'll have coverage for sure for for those first two games what that looks like in terms of or it's a game recap or just providing the the, uh, the post-game quotes we'll, we'll kind of have to see how how things go but uh and then uh, I, I know I'm not going to be able to travel up for game three, game four in Everett on the following Friday. I, it's kind of a to be determined at the moment. But, um, yeah, there will there'll be some sort of coverage. I'll at least be, you know, live tweeting the games. You can follow me on Twitter at J-J-C-R-I-T-Z-E-R. Um, and we'll, we'll have kind of some, some stuff up there. At that point, I've got one more feature article that I'm working on that should hopefully drop either tomorrow or Thursday just in time for playoffs. Uh, another rookie uh, player feature and kind of the last step of my introducing series for this season. So a um, little bit more coverage from PNW Hockey Talk before before the season wraps up, but uh, I, I definitely appreciate it. And uh, uh, Chad, I'm, I'm probably going to try and get to the games a little early on Saturday. Is there a place downtown Portland that I could go for, you know, uh, Pucklandia listeners? I, I, I don't know if I consider it downtown, but uh, right ne- right next to the rink, uh, our friends over at Cartside would love to love to have people in there. They they give uh, a happy hour pricing on on drinks to uh, the uh, Pucklandy listeners. They just kind of rearrange the, the uh, new bar surface in there, which is pretty nice. So they got a nice bar top. They got some. There'll be other games on, you know, on the the, the TVs down there while you're while you're waiting and uh you know they they take good they take good care of us and they have uh, you know a, a good variety of 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 uh of carts there food carts obviously it's a, you know why it's car uh cart side but um yeah it's right next to the rank it's uh you know it's it's a nice little spot if you get down to the to the games early and try to get a good parking spot and all that kind of thing so it's uh <laughs> friends of the show yeah, as you know me, Chad, anything that's not in Sherwood or Tualatin is just considered downtown Portland. I just don't really <laughs> know the area that well, so it's all downtown to me, the, which is probably blasphemous for, for, for people who have been in Portland for a it's, while. You know? it, it's, I mean, it's pretty You close. live in downtown, the rink is downtown. You know, it's all downtown. To yeah, me. it's 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 pretty close. I know whenever you hear that, you know, the, the, you know, the Regan Bartels of the world mentioned, you know, the the glass palace in downtown. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I suppose, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's uh, not, it's not in Sherwood. It's not in Tualatin. It's off I five and there's one way streets. That's considered downtown to this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. 
Anyway, I always appreciate your time, Josh, and we'll uh, we'll 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 keep it going here through the through the, this run. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Chad. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your night.